Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love, admire, or just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path, what got in their way, and how they think about bringing others along now that they've arrived. Kristen Meisner and Jalenta Greenberg are really good at testing things out. They're kind of like the Try Guys, but the self-help version. On their podcast, By the Book, they apply advice given from different self-help books in their own lives to see what's actually helpful. From their discoveries, they went on to write How to Be Fine, What We Learned from Living by the Rules of 50 Self-Help Books. Now on their latest podcast, Romance Road Test, they've extended the experimenting to their partners. Their new show tests out relationship hacks on their marriage, which you can listen to all the episodes of Romance Road Test on Audible. Thank you again for both doing this. I really appreciate it. Really fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having us. So happy. So I have to start every show by asking my guests what kinds of shoes they have on uh, because the show is called In Her Shoes and I like to be nosy. So what kind of shoes do you have on or what are your favorite pair of shoes right now? (laughs) Well, we don't wear shoes in my house right now or ever. We're we're very strict about the no shoes in the house because Brooklyn is a beautiful but very filthy place. So I am barefoot at this moment. (laughs) But I will say this, since the pandemic, I've gotten kind of lazy with my footwear and I only wear two pairs of shoes. In the summer, I wear Taos Trophy metallic sandals, which are kind of like um, gladiator sandals that are um, gold or silver. And then in the winter, I wear Allbird Pipers, which are just little basic wool sneakers. And I've been wearing these two types of shoes (laughs) for two and a half years every single day. I love a routine. I love that. <laughs> Solid routine. <laughs> How about you, Jalenta? I am also wearing no shoes because we don't like to bring the the grody streets and like all the gum I have the luck of stepping on into the house. Um, <laughs> but I was just wearing some some regular like Birkenstock, like what's like the double strap? Is that like the Arizona or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just wearing those in black while I was walking the dog uh, this morning. <laughs> I love, love. 
So you both obviously, you know, have your own projects with projects together. You have podcasts by the book. You've authored How to Be Fine. Um, and you have your latest podcast, The Romance Road Test. Walk me through, I mean, what was even the story of how you guys started to create content together and continue to evolve into to making so many projects over time? Oh, Jolenta, you got to tell this because this is your, you, you get credit here. This is your well, story. We met, gosh, it's been like, uh, we met like a decade ago. Uh, and we were working for a radio news program, like just your your typical like daily news sort of roundup show. And uh, we would get pitched books a lot. I'm sure even just like hosting a podcast, you get pitched like books and stuff. Yeah. And people, publishers, publicists send you all these books. And I was uh, the administrator in charge of getting all these books. So I would open them, sort of distribute them, mostly put them in a pile for like anyone can take these to like give away as presents and stuff because we're not going to cover like all these 80 biographies of like real housewives. Um, but we also got lots and lots of self-help books, which again, we probably weren't going to cover on like, you know, the news. Yeah. So I began like hoarding all of them because I was sort of a mid twenties, like trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life still was trying to be an actor, trying to be a comedian and was like, maybe if I follow these books, I'll get my shit together. And mm -hmm. because I'm determined to be an entertainer, like I should record this. Um, so then I roped my friend Kristen into it because <laughs> she was probably my best friend at the show because she was the culture reporter and could talk about like movies and TV. And also, while I like want to believe the promises of self-help, Kristen is a bit more skeptical. And I felt like she'd be sort of a good like control group to try out these uh, these self-help tactics with yeah. me and sort of keep me grounded, maybe keep me from like joining a cult by accident. So <laughs> then we started making by the book. Yeah. I mean, you guys are all in your 10th season, correct? And yeah. um, yes. I mean, but what has like kept that longevity going? How do you keep listeners coming back? And what, what has that process been like to, to have 10 season is such an amazing feat. Oh, well, thank you. Um, we keep coming back partly because we're very lucky to have a wealth of self-help books, hundreds of new ones get published every they year. Never stop making and, them. Uh, <laughs> yes, and we're also lucky that we have listeners who want to continually see us tortured living by these books. And <laughs> the, the show is essentially a reality show podcast. So we don't just live by the rules of each of these books. We record ourselves while living by each book following, you know, every single rule down to the letter. So listeners hear us doing things like taking our life into our own hands or saying terrible things to ourselves or or saying, you know, uh, loving mantras to ourselves. They right. are there as we throw out everything that we own. Uh, if it doesn't spark joy, they are there as we experiment with our relationships. So I, I think that that's part of what keeps it going too, is the fact that it's not just a show where we review books. It's a show where our lives are fully a part of the show. And uh, because our lives just, you know, keep going and going and going. So does the show. Right. I feel like that experimentation, though, um, to continue doing it so much over time has to be incredibly vulnerable. And I mean, I'm obviously like the listeners love it because it feels like they have some insight into the process and knowing if they want to read that book or if they want to try this certain process. Have either of you ever, though, struggled with that or struggled with like the vulnerability and just how much you have to share to go through that process? Oh, totally. Especially, I feel like <laughs> navigating that with relationships. 
Um, we encountered this a lot um, in our in our newer show, the Audible Original Romance Road Test, where we test out right. like romance advice specifically, and just sort of meeting our partners where their boundaries are because like this isn't their work this isn't necessarily like their vulnerability on display even though it's like the relationship's vulnerability so being able to like find the fine line of like how do I get my husband to like read erotica um on mic to me but like make him feel comfortable possibly sharing this um, yeah. So like where me, I kind of have no boundaries, but like learning to sort of find and respect other people's in this process has been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to say for me, it's been harder than for Jolenta because I came into this as, as Jolenta was saying earlier, a culture reporter, a culture critic. My job was to analyze things, not necessarily to speak to my deepest insecurities or the things that are sad or traumatic in my life. And this show kind of has pushed those things to the fore where I talk about all of those things. And I remember the first episode where I really let it all be broadcast, where I started revealing things about myself in the first season was we were living by French women don't get fat. And I cry in that episode. And I never thought I would be the person who is crying on a microphone after nearly a decade in media where I am making documentaries or I am, you know, reporting on reality TV to Mm -hmm. bring in my own story and my own self was really hard. And I remember the night before that episode came out, I did not sleep a lick all night. I stayed up all night. I was so nervous. I had diarrhea. (laughs) I was just scared (laughs) about what would happen. Um, And then it came out and we started getting just a couple trickles here and there. And then before you know it, it was an avalanche of letters from people who said, thank you. I see myself in your story. Thank you for talking about what it's like to live with disordered eating. Thank you for talking about hating your own body or living in a world that doesn't necessarily treat women like we matter unless our size is this or this or this. And I don't know what I thought would happen to me. I thought maybe I would die of embarrassment, that the vulnerability would kill me somehow. But Mm -hmm. it was such a tremendous relief to hear from listeners saying it made them feel less alone in the world. And that's kind of what's kept me going, opening up, um, even though it's still really hard sometimes. And I don't share every single detail of my life. I definitely keep (laughs) some things close to the vest. But that's what helps me go back and tell more and more of my story. Yeah. Totally. Obviously, you guys know this all too well. The self-help genre, though, is so crowded and there's a new trend, a new book, a new idea or an old idea with a new name on TikTok every week. (laughs) And it's obviously hard to parse out, you know, is this a scam? Is Would this be really helpful? After several seasons of, quote, you know, living by the book, what has been your consensus about just, you know, the self-help genre and all of these, you know, quote unquote, wellness trends that are, you know, trying to help people, but also (laughs) understandably people are trying to sell products and books and a new line every week as well on top of it. Right, right. It's definitely hard to sort of parse through what is essentially just like an influencer self-promoting endlessly and what is like actual advice that could be worth listening to. Kristen and I have found like definitely look at your source. If the person says they're a doctor, check and see where that doctorate's from. Sometimes it's honorary. Sometimes it's from, you know, 
a nice prestigious institution or just like one that's real and you've heard of, Um, you know, make sure you know where the advice is coming from. A lot of these self-help authors are people who are really into a certain subject and how that subject can enhance your life, whether it's tidying or getting up early or, you know, and these people are usually just like really zeroing in on something that that vibes with them or something they've struggled with. It's not necessarily like an overarching theme. And like usually we have found advice that's about groups or like the collective or how to make the world a better place tends to be better advice less blamey more actionable more about like doing good and putting good out into the world and less about like visualizing things you want for yourself and like blaming yourself if they these things don't happen and i'll just also add to that that a lot of self-help books uh, are so navel-gazy, and there's nothing wrong with looking at our navels from time to time and looking inside of ourselves and what makes me feel this way, where did this stem from, and this and that. But oftentimes, what it's really stemming from isn't our navel at all. It's from structural inequalities. It's from larger issues like racism and sexism and so on. And so, you know, just saying a mantra every day is not going to fix the thing that's really the cause of my unhappiness in this world or mm-hmm. really the cause of me feeling unsafe or unsettled in this world. And um, a lot of the authors of self-help books, according to Goodreads, two-thirds of the authors are men and two-thirds of the readers are women. So it is an industry of men telling women what to do. A lot of these men coming from very privileged backgrounds, born on third base, saying, if I can do it, anyone can. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's true that anybody can when you already had most of life handed to you on a silver right. tray. Yeah. Is there a particular book that you guys have read over the past 10 seasons or just mantra if, if a book is too hard to, to recall that has been the most helpful? Oh, that's a tough one. I know. It's like naming. For me, I always go back to um, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. He's a real doctor and talks about (laughs) sort of like the cognitive pathways that are made when we sort of set thoughts as like concrete facts in our head and how we can change those and why we tend to absorb negative uh, facts about ourselves and not positive ones. And that like, literally changing how you talk to yourself can change how you feel about your self-worth. And like, for me personally, it's been one that's like stuck the longest and just isn't, you know, full of, again, visualization or like blaming yourself for things that are like far beyond your control. Right. It's not a perfect book, but I, I really took some good things away from a book called Why Good Things Happen to Good People. Mm. And the idea of that book is really more about not just you know, self-care, but about community care, about putting out goodness into the world, about making the world a better place to make yourself happier. But also the endorphins we get when we commit an act of kindness in the world, it genuinely feels good and it makes us feel less alone. It makes us feel more connected with something larger than ourselves. It gives us a sense of purpose and just ticks all of these boxes in life because saying a mantra doesn't necessarily fix the same things that doing good in the world does. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 
2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On the opposite spectrum, is there really bad advice that you that you <laughs> like you really want to tell people to to stray away from or just, you know, I, I love what you were saying earlier, Jalenta, about I, I do feel like a lot of the social media trends come about and everybody's like, now you have to manifest it and you're gonna be this person and then, you know, seeing them in real time then being let down because they thought if they said this this way or did this this way that it was going to happen is there a certain advice that you found that you were that you were like this is crazy advice i would never do this again or advice that you see people kind of taking now because it's popular that you want people to do a little bit more research behind i i mean we hate dieting advice like we lived by french women don't give fat in our first season and after that decided never again it's not self-help it's like weight control and often like disordered eating veiled as like healthy advice so we we steer clear of all of that also jolenta and i take real issue with anything that includes the law of attraction, which is a lot of self-help books. The idea that if you believe it, you can be it. But the idea that you only get what you manifest, like I received this thing because I believed in it harder than others, really erases the fact that, um, you know, are, are you saying that people who are poor, people who are living with debilitating diseases, did they ask for that because they didn't believe hard enough in health? Did they not believe hard enough in having a living wage? Um, And, you know, the first place we saw the law of attraction was the very first episode of our show, We Lived by the Secret, in season one. And the question came up like, oh, so if you were in a death camp during the Holocaust, if you have cancer, is that because you just didn't believe hard enough? And yes, according to the book, it is. And I just refuse to believe that people were asking for it. People didn't ask for abuse. People didn't ask for poverty. But the law of attraction says that they did because they didn't believe hard enough in what they deserved. Also, any advice that talks about men and women as like two different animals, two different species from different planets, (laughs) like it furthers these sort of, you know, social structures of gender it like furthers the divide between them doesn't remind us like we're all human we all were socialized to communicate in certain ways especially by gender and like we're not different animals like not all men should be approached a certain way often advice that uh is parsed out this way tends to be advice like heavy for the woman in how to approach her man and Mm -hmm. like 
you know, not cause friction, but not necessarily how to communicate like wants and needs or like have right. like a nice equal exchange. So uh, any advice that really paints men and women as like vastly different and like impossible to be from the same planet, like that's <laughs> not, not helpful. Yeah. I mean, on that note, though, you've talked on the pod before about how so many self-help books are written by men, but read by women. Um, But it does seem like even, you know, we get sent a ton of books to review or like excerpt for the cut that women seem more inclined to even read self-help books in the first place. So how do you guys, you know, manage both ends of that? And also just the idea that it, it feels like women are more concerned with bettering themselves and more concerned with with the topic overall. Yeah. I mean, I also think that we live in a world where the idea of masculinity is you tough it out and you don't ask for help. You don't go to a shrink. You don't read self-help books. Those things are weak or they're feminine or they're sissy. There are a lot of words for what that is as far as how we create our gender binaries in the world and what each supposed gender does. And I I think that it's interesting to see over the last decade how there has been kind of this rise in self-help books for men, but they never identify themselves as self-help books. Oftentimes, they're business guides. They're guidebooks to stoicism. They are books that have the word fuck in the title, usually. Uh, And there's a whole world of books now that are self-help for men, but most men and most marketers and most publishers don't even put them in the self-help section. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I also was just curious with now with you all doing the romance road test and trying to extend all of the things and learnings to romantic relationships were your partners. How was that conversation of, you know, getting them to be willing to go on this journey with you? Did, did it take convincing? What was that like? Well, again, I feel lucky because my partner... He's like the activity person and I'm the not activity person in the relationship. So like he's always like chomping at the bit to go do something fun or go on a different kind of date or try something new. So when I pitched this to him and was like, we'll be trying like 15 different like dating tips, like probably in a row, like every weekend, he was like, yes, finally, like (laughs) built in activities. So he was mostly on board, except for every once in a while when something would scare him, like one of the dates was doing something scary. So that scared him. And uh, reading erotica did scare him, but we made it through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my husband, he he's such a ham and he loves being on the microphone because in his regular day-to-day life, he is in, you know, he's a chief technologist for a company and he as he always says, he's like, I'm such a nerd and on this show I get to just be a star. <laughs> Although the way he is a star is just by being a loving, supportive husband most of the time and then every once in a while just getting fed up, which he does many times on Romance Road Test. There are many episodes where he's like, oh God, this sucks. This is terrible. Never take me to another play again. At one point I brought him to live theater and he just hated it. Um, yeah, we had a couple of moments where he he did not enjoy it. <laughs> Were there any things that you tried with your partners that caused like actual real tension outside of, you know, the recording of the the episodes? Oof. Right there. I mean, I 
I, I can say in my marriage, yes. I mean, <laughs> well, that the time we went to live theater, that was on our hobby date. I introduced him to my hobby. He introduced me to his hobby. His okay. hobby is playing video games. We recorded, I, I mean, our episodes of our show are only about 35, 40 minutes long, mm -hmm. but the actual raw recording of us fighting while playing video games was like, <laughs> I don't know, an hour and a half or something. It was just like... It went on and on and on. We, right. we were not getting along during that. And um, there were definitely other points where what you hear in the show is just a tiny snippet <laughs> of how much bigger it was when it was yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. I would say, like, tension lingers. For me, it's not necessarily tension with my partner, but just, like, a sour taste from, like, Oh, right. When we did that, that bugged the shit out of me. Um, we did each other's grooming. And when my partner was doing my makeup, he was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a it's an art project. Like, I didn't sign up for. I can't believe you do this all the time. Like, oh, this is a, such a waste of time. And like, what if you're not good at drawing? And now every time I do my makeup, I just think about him complaining and being like, God, the social inequity of the fact that, like, I should have eyebrows on for this call. And, like, it doesn't matter if he does. And so, like, now when I do my makeup, sometimes I'll just think about how he made this big, like, to do over how ridiculous mm -hmm. this whole process is. And now it's much more apparent. Even though I always knew it was ridiculous, now it just feels right. more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, I was also curious with the, the romance road test and how you've been able to have conversations, you know, with your own friends and, and community about it. Because I do often feel like when I talk to my girlfriends, they always feel like they are doing a lot more of the the work in like like making the relationship better. And similarly with like all of the self-help books, feeling like, uh, you know, women tend to be more interested in the books or in bettering themselves, as I was saying before. And I'm just curious of, you know, what your conversations have been like with women in your lives and how they have felt about trying to better their romantic relationships as well. Yeah, I mean... My gay friends, it's been really interesting um, talking with them about this because mm -hmm. uh, they are not dealing with those same sort of socially assigned norms of like women yeah. do this or men do this. And some of my gay friends who've listened to the show as well as some of our gay listeners are just like, oh, straight people, the worst. Annoying, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I've definitely heard that. Um, and Jolent and I definitely both heard from a lot of women in, I guess I would call really heteronormative, more traditional relationships, where they say that they always carry the mental load. It's always on them mm -hmm. to be pretty, be exciting for the relationship, be a good mom, keep a good house, uh, do all of these things. And we hear from them also on the, op you know, because I, I would say Jolent and I, are kind of more in the middle of those extremes. Mm -hmm. We are not in what I would call patriarchal marriages, and we are not in same-sex relationships either. But mm -hmm. uh, people do write in, and they're like, well, you have partners who do all the housekeeping and cooking, so you don't know how hard it is. <laughs> um, so we hear that, too, because that comes out in the show, that our specific gender dynamics don't always match those of other people in traditional yeah. relationships. Right. Yeah. Is there anything that both of you have taken away um, in just, you know, having a bit more of a, a 
retrospective approach of how you actually are in your relationships or just things that you discovered about yourself that you didn't realize of the way that you are in your relationship? Um, well, here's the silly thing. Um, one of the things we did for Romance Road Test is we did those like 36 questions for love. They were like in the New York Times and supposedly, yeah, yeah. like if you answer these questions with someone you're on a date with, like it'll help you fall in love. Um, and they're all like, you know, get to know you type questions. And one of the questions was uh, like, what, when was the last time you sang? Um and maybe to whom, or I'm not sure if that was part of it. And my partner and I realized like, oh, right, like probably earlier today when I was like making up a song about like the dog or you or like what I was doing. And we realized like, oh, right, we sing all the time to each other. And I don't think we ever stop to notice that about our relationship, even though it's a weird like, you know, surface level thing. It's like, oh, we love singing to each other. And like, we've never thought of ourselves as a couple that like makes up songs all the time. But we are. Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. Nice and yeah. simple. And I would say for me and Dean, it just hit me this weekend, actually. Um, he went on a bike ride and he was like five neighborhoods away. And he called me up and he said, do you want to meet me in this neighborhood and I'll take you out for lunch? And I paused for a second. I'm like, oh, do I really want to, oh, God, how many subway lines do I have to take? Do I have to transfer? And then I was like, yeah, I do want to do that. And one thing that Romance Road Test while we were in production on the show did was every week I did that to him. Hey, this week we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Hey, this week we're going to do this. <laughs> and um, just it's a gift to be able to shake things up and to be able to say yes to those things. And we definitely have our routines and we have moments of relaxation and and those routines there's nothing wrong with those routines there's yeah. absolutely not but when there's the chance to shake it up it is nice to say yes so um yeah that just hit me this past weekend i love that i love that how do you both feel about you know aggregating trying all these different life hacks in you know a quest of like self discovery do you feel like it's enhanced your relationships do you feel like it's you know changed your view of yourself what what has been the some takeaways after doing this for so long now I definitely think it's enhanced communication i I feel like it has to have for both of us where it's like have to really break down what we're about to do, like what kind of what we expect. Um, and, you know, we have to break down our boundaries about like what we're willing to expose or just like how what we're willing to do on a date even. That's definitely been something that that I've had to like get better at. And that's like been lasting, luckily. I think it's so hard for me to measure that because for our entire marriage, we've been making this show. Um, we started making the pilot for this show, or actually Jolenta, the earliest iteration of the show before it was even with the network, our first go at it. Dean and I had only been dating for a few months, I think, at that time. So Dean has essentially lived his entire relationship with me being recorded. <laughs> so I think the real test will be like, once the recording stops, what will be? Whoa. what will things be like then? Yeah. Ooh. Um, I guess my last question, I mean, if there's, you know, one thing that you want listeners to take away living vicariously through you, all the things you've tried, what would you say to them? If something rubs you the wrong way, it doesn't mean like, oh, I need to try it and like push my boundaries. Like it might be because it's bad advice. <laughs> 
Like, that's one thing we've learned. Like, it's like a lot of the time when I'm like, oh, like, it's usually because it's not sound. And like, you know, I if I do a bit more research, like I can prove my gut right. So I'm not saying never push yourself. But like, especially when it comes to just sort of a random self help advice snippet, like you hear on TikTok or something. And if you're like, e, like, it's fine. If you're like that, it doesn't need to resonate with you. You're not broken. If it doesn't resonate with you, like it might be shitty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, as Jolenta always says, nobody is more of an expert in you than you, especially not this person who wrote a self-help book in their Santa Barbara office overlooking the ocean, <laughs> who's a millionaire who you have never met before. They're not more of an expert in you than you. So, yeah. you know, take what they say with a grain of salt. And to go back to what I was saying earlier, keep in mind also how much of what is hurting you or challenging you or making you question yourself, keep in mind that some of that may not be you at all. It may be the bigger structures and problems in this world. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for doing this. I'm so appreciative of you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Such a delight to talk to you. In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our producer and editor for this episode is Taka Zen. Our engineer is Brandon McFarlane, and our executive producer is Hannah Rosen. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.